about a year ago, December, he started complaining, I think I've had a stroke. I think there's something wrong with me. I'm not talking normal. And I went, you haven't had a stroke. You have absolutely no signs of a stroke. What are you talking about? And we really did. I just blamed it on, you work too hard. You're training for Ironman like a beast. You are working overtime constantly because it's December. So he's he's working a ton in December for his company. The guy is the most driven person I've ever known. And, you know, he's in the middle of doing all of that. He's hustling a bunch of other things, you know, everybody's car and making sure this and that. I mean, Kyle takes care of stuff. He, we're good. You know, he, I, he makes sure I'm good. The kids are good. He's good. Lance is good. Work is good. He's teaching classes. He's training for Ironman. He's, I mean, he, he goes 100% with everything that he ever commits to do. And then he finds more to do. Um, so I just figured he was tired. He's always struggled with anxiety. And I figured it's December. It's just the anxiety depression cycle kicking up. Really just blew it off for a while. But he persisted with saying that it was getting bad. And, you know, I've been a nurse for over 20 years. I have learned way too many times that your patient, if they say something to you, they're usually right. They have, they, their gut feeling is often right, and you better not ignore it. This episode is amazing. I, I, I shouldn't overpromise and underdeliver, but I'm not worried about this with this episode. I uh, am honored, blessed, grateful, like you wouldn't believe, to have been able to sit down with uh, Colleen Brown, uh, brother Kyle's wife and uh, to talk about her side of everything that has gone on with his ALS diagnosis. And so uh, it, not not a hilarious episode, although there are moments of levity that I hope that you enjoy. Um, one that I just, I love and I cherish so much of what she had to say about their experience, about uh, their expectations. And I hope that uh, you enjoy this episode of The Cultural Hall. It's time for another episode of the Cultural Hall, and uh, I'm honored to be able to share this episode with you. After we recently had Kyle back on for an Articles of News, I thought, you know what we should do? We should get to know a little bit more about uh, Kyle's significant other. In fact, not even significant other. It's his wife, for crying out loud. Uh <laughs> Uh, welcome. And I, and I always have to pause real quick because there's Colleen's and there's Colleen's and I don't know if you are a Colleen or a Colleen. So let's start there. Sister Brown. Okay. Yeah. That's a funny one, isn't it? My mom says Colleen, Uh but I have learned that it's an accent. It's from where you are born, whether you say Colleen or Colleen. So I learned that when I moved to San Francisco. I, when I was married, my first marriage, we moved to San Francisco. Everybody, when I'd say my name was Colleen, uh-huh. they didn't have a clue what I was talking about. They're like, you mean Colleen? Uh-huh. And I'm like, sure, it's Colleen. <laughs> and I actually think I prefer the pronunciation Colleen a okay. little bit more. I've never liked my name. I feel like it's an old grandma name. Oh, no, come on now. <laughs> But you, per, you, I've, I've never liked my name. Well, um, let me ask you this: in a day and age where you can change it, I mean, you recently changed your last name. Why not change the first name? <laughs> I guess I could, but what would I change it to? My mom wanted to name me Penny. Yeah, <laughs> but my my maiden name is Peck, 
and she didn't want my initials to be PP. Yeah. So that's why she didn't name me Penny. Thanks, mom. Yeah. Thanks a lot, mom. <laughs> Although Penny Pack, it has a lot of uh, you know. I know. Good strong. My things. daughter's name is a double N, so it's Nina, and then. Her nice last name. Yeah. Married name. Yeah. <laughs> but I, you know what? You've already brought him up twice. I don't want to talk about him at all. If we talk about a spouse, we're talking about your current one. Yes. Uh, but before we get into that, because you are not defined by him, he is not defined by you, I want to get to know <laughs> uh, a, a little bit more about you, uh, okay. where, where you're from. You've already mentioned San Francisco. What brought you out there? Uh, he went to school. So I'm originally from Pocatello, Idaho. Okay. And lived there my entire life um, in the bubble. I always call it the bubble. I grew up a perfect little, lovely, very LDS, happy, lovely parents, lovely siblings, really just a perfect life in the 80s in Pocatello, Idaho. You don't get much better than that. Mm -hmm. Um, Married at the age of 21, moved to San Francisco for about four years while he went to college there. And then we moved to Salt Lake, and I've been in Utah ever since. Uh, and you got a grundle of kids. I have four kids. Yeah. <laughs> yep. But now I have five because Lance is definitely one of my kids. And Lance, for people who don't know, is Kyle. Uh, this is Brother yep. Kyle's wife. I guess I haven't been that descriptive about this whole thing. Um, <laughs> but Brother Kyle's wife, um, uh, as of just, what, like five, four or five months ago, Lance is uh, Kyle's kid. And then uh, you allowed Kyle to be a parent to four of your children. That seems like a, a you know. Yeah. If we talk about a perfect childhood in Pocatello, that seems like a fatal mistake that you made at some point in your life. <laughs> I'm kidding. Of course. Oh gosh. <laughs> so so uh, you know the the way that you kind of phrase the story is that like yeah, there's this perfect upbringing and it's the perfect bubble, and then is there some time? Obviously, with divorce, I think that some people think well, that's probably a, a hardship. Putting it very minimally. Uh, are there other things that may- maybe at some point you kind of went, well, I don't know, the church, maybe, maybe we, you know, maybe it's ideal, but maybe I'm not living ideal or maybe I don't want ideal right yeah. now. I think it definitely changed at the time of my divorce, but it was, I was never drastic or, I mean, I have friends who are, grew up LDS and get divorced and, and really kind of go drastic with changes from like their pre- like their Mormon life, and then they go off the deep end and they don't do it. Mm-hmm. Their LDS life. Um, I never did. I, I've, I've always, I, I can't step away from the church for some reason. I match Kyle's philosophy on the LDS church a lot. I feel like, I feel like we're the, we match really well there. It's one of the reasons we get along. Um, I, I don't feel angry at the church, but I definitely don't really live in the bubble anymore for sure (laughs) you know i would i always was taught if you do this this and this you'll get this this and this and everything's great but you have to do this this and this and then as soon as you get divorced you're like well that's one of them (laughs) i i missed that checkbox or it just got erased (laughs) um and i think you just start to question things and you go oh i if I do this, am I really bad? Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I just think I, I got rid of some of the guilt and shame attitude that comes. And it's not it's not LDS doctrine. It's LDS culture. Yeah. So I feel like I was able to take a really hard look at LDS culture, particularly 
Utah culture. And I know that's people probably get sick of hearing that, but, and you, Idaho's the same way. Idaho culture is Utah culture. Um, it's, there's a lot of judgment and there's a lot of criticizing of people when you don't know their story. And yeah. I've, I've, and a lot of that I learned because of Kyle, cause he just really doesn't judge people. Um, he, he taught me that a lot and, but it's who I am now. It's who I always was. I just was given the freedom to think that way and not be guilted and shamed. Yeah. 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 Sucks. Doesn't it? Yeah. It does. And, and it's a it thing does. that it's a thing that we like a, a lot of times here in the cultural hall, we'll we'll call it out and we'll say, yeah, that exists. Or people know that it happens and we maybe are slowly chipping away at it or maybe individually yeah. we're chipping away at it. But as a collective, it's still just as rampant as it ever was. Yeah. I've got a really cool coworker I was talking to the other day Um and, and she's in the same boat as me. We were kind of talking a little bit deep like this, you know, like, why, why are you still in the church? Why aren't you like, what are you thinking? She said, you know, she's got friends that are leaving by the droves and she's like, no, you've got to stay. You've got to stay. Cause you've got to, you got to help us change the attitude and it's not change doctrine. It's, it's changed. It's changed some of the attitudes of some of the members that really still believe that if you see my shoulder skin right here Mm -hmm. that i'm bad yeah it's porn shoulders yeah (laughs) hashtag porn shoulders right yep yeah (laughs) you know uh you you brought something up and and i'm curious i think that i kind of know the story but i think that women always tell the story better than the gentleman how is it that you met brother kyle (laughs) oh boy let's see so I went to Kyle's spin class for probably two years before I ever spoke to him. Okay. <laughs> I, we taught at the same gym. So I'm a yoga teacher. He taught a spin class. I was just busy in my life. I, you know, I've got four kids. Um, yeah. So what's busy about that? Yeah, nothing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I worked and uh, had four kids and I taught yoga Um, and then my youngest was about one year old and I felt like I was too chunky after having him. And so I wanted to lose weight. And I asked her on the gym and people are like, you've got to go to this guy's spin class. Kyle's spin class is the best spin class you've ever been to in your life. Hmm. So I went to, I believe he only taught once at that time, once a week. Um, I went to his spin class and it's, it's funny. I came home and I told my, I told my husband at the time I was still married. I said, you have got to go to this guy's spin class. He's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> he plays the best music. I, I actually literally told him that I'm like, he plays the best music. He played nights or ebb in the very first spin class I ever went to. And I'm like, nobody knows this band. This is my <laughs> band. How does he know this band? Nobody knows this band. So he, he intrigued me from the get go. <laughs> I'm like, who is this guy? And I want to, I wanted all my friends to come to class. You know, it's like when you find something that you really like to do, you tell everybody about it. Mm-hmm. And, and that's how it was Kyle spin class was. And I became a groupie, quite honestly, along with about 10 other people that we're still really good friends with. Um, you'd show up 15 minutes before class to get a bike, to go to his spin class. Cause if you didn't, 
you didn't get a bike and you didn't get to ride. So uh, just a couple of years of that, my marriage fell apart. One of my coping mechanisms with that was to exercise a lot. Mm -hmm. So I was running with um, some friends from the hospital and I was riding at the gym. Now, and to I be clear, to... you work at the hospital. You weren't just like, hey, yeah, friends, I'm a the nurse. Yeah. yeah, I'm a nurse and I, I worked at a hospital. So, um, yeah, I, I rode my bike a lot and he it was winter. He was in riding more. I was in riding more. Um He's a really nice guy, and he helped me move out of my house after I got divorced. Um, and that's when my kids, that was their first exposure to Kyle. <laughs> I don't think they really remember it. A um, couple of them do. And then we, we it just quite naturally started hanging out. I convinced him to be my bike coach. Mm-hmm. I, I, I wanted to. I need a. Uh, I, need I need a, a bike, bike coach. coach if I'm going to race bikes. There was a friend of mine also that worked at the hospital with me who raced road bikes. Mm -hmm. And there's not a lot of girls who race road bikes. And she was. She knew I was riding a lot and uh, had a road bike. I had just bought a road bike, and she was really pushing me to race road bikes with her. Mm -hmm. And between her and Kyle talking to. Kyle and, and her name's Katie. Um, they convinced me to start racing road bikes. So I did. That's, and that really road biking is kind of the initial glue that got us together. I thought he was super cute and really funny. And Well, you must be to... blind because everyone here listening <laughs> knows what he looks like. So there's something a little bit, I'm teasing, of course. No, there's something about Kyle. Well, <laughs> there, there a hundred percent is something about Kyle. Everybody, everybody <laughs> loves, uh, you know, certainly what he brings. And as, as a dear friend of mine, it's, you know, he, he's someone whom I, I love and can't explain it, um, uh, because he also is maybe one of those people that's just like, I don't care. I don't care if you like me. I don't care yeah. if you hate me. It, it doesn't matter. And, and I think to some people like that, that, uh, that what? that makes them feel like that's kind of a, like a stay at a distance, right? Like it, like, yeah, like I'll let you so far and then you don't really get to know who I am really, right? Like you get yeah. to know the persona of Kyle, but you don't get to know really kind the real of, Kyle. yeah, the real Kyle. Yeah. He, he's a lot better at letting people into the real Kyle now. And I don't know why. Now, when you say now, you mean like since the diagnosis of ALS or just like now, uh, like the last five years? I I think over the past 10 years, because I think when, when I first met him, he certainly didn't let very many people in. Um, but now, I think one of the things that chipped away at that was maybe our mountain bike team hmm. that we help coach. There's there's just something, the parents, the the ride leaders, so many kids they're just so easy to love. And, and I don't think you can love somebody very well if you don't let them love you back. Hmm. And, and they, they love him. <laughs> they love him. So I think it probably started about five years ago with the mountain bike team. Now, um, now that's like coaching a high school team, right? Is that what it is? Yeah. Yeah. It's actually, it's, there's even kids seventh, as young as seventh grade up to senior senior year. And you guys are the coach like collaboratively the two of you? 
we we help. So okay. there's a head coach and an assistant coach, and then they've got coaches that help with different uh, skill levels of the kids. I can jump in and coach any of the skill levels. You know, I'll jump in and help with rides and 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 really work with the kids. Really anywhere from beginner all the way up to I can't quite keep up with the kids that Kyle coaches. <laughs> it's called Cat One. They're they're a little fast for me. Maybe if some of them are having a bad day, I can keep up. But or if the ride is long enough, I'll I'll last as long as they do. Yeah. But uh, yeah. It's interesting to know, um, you know, you say that that's kind of where life maybe changed around a little bit for him. Kyle and I were talking offline uh, since his diagnosis, and I said, hey, you know what? I mean, with this being terminal, like, what's your plan? Are you going around the world in 80 days? And are you going to, you know, all the different countries that you ever wanted to go to and all this stuff? And it was, it was really... I guess surprising is the word I want to use, but surprising to me that he's like, you know what, you know who I want to be with? I want to be with my family and I want to be with these kids that I coach. And I, because of the relation, <clears throat> the relationship that Kyle and I have, I'm always like, I, I can't believe that they allow you around children, but really, <laughs> I mean, th- this, I mean, knowing that there is an end at some point, this is whom you want to spend your time with. And he took yeah. a moment and it it was it was it was one of those things. He's like, there are there is no better place, no other place that I want to be than you know with my family and with these kids that he's coached, and that and that stuck with me. It's true. Um, I don't know what it is about him. I mean, it's if you really want to break it down, it's it's service, right? Mm-hmm. You, you love who you serve. I mean, it's why you're so close to your kids. Because you're forced, <laughs> you're forced to serve them the minute they're born. Yeah. Um, but it's it's people that you have experiences with. That's what you, that's what bonds you and makes you care so much. Um, you know, we went to dinner the other night with Joni and and her husband, and th- that stuff like that. Going to dinner with our friends hanging out with our friends, no matter where I know you from, if it's from biking or the, the mountain bike team, or if we've just been friends forever, it, it's what makes us happy. Yeah. I mean, going on trips is awesome. Um, but really it's, it's, it's hanging out with friends. We want to do stuff with, with people, human relationships. I've always been that way. It's, I like people. I'm a people person. I'm a nurse. Hmm. Um, I work in a, now I work as a massage therapist. I don't work anywhere actively really as a nurse. Um, but it, I, the people that I work on are, I love them. I, I care a lot about them. I, I, I just, people are where it's at. Trips are awesome. And there's people on trips, but <laughs> people, people is what life is about. I want to take a break real quick, and when we come back in the in the second block, we'll pick it up uh, at, at the uh, at the point of diagnosis from your perspective. So we'll do that coming back in the second block of the cultural hall. Oh, hey, is this seat taken? My name is Kurt Frankham from the Leading Saints podcast, and it's about time I make it to the back row of the cultural hall and tell you what's happening. 
Your friends over at Leading Saints are organizing another virtual conference, and this time we're talking about how do we lead the rising generation. We're calling it the Young Saints Virtual Conference. That's right. How do we lead 12-year-olds and beyond in the church and even the young adults? They live in a different world than many of us when we were young, and they face unique challenges. So we've gathered 20-plus presenters who have a unique experience working with youth and finding success. To get all the details and to see who is speaking and what topics will be covered, visit leadingsaints.org youth. You can find the link in the show notes or simply visit leadingsaints.org youth. Imagine running a small business today. It's challenging. Imaging and internet presence is an absolute must. Even with that, you're still a small star in a bright cyber universe. Now, imagine you have someone who understands how to get your site designed for your talents and then easily searched by potential clients. Imagine Lennon Design. Whether it's strictly a website or a whole package of logo creation, advertising media, and promotional materials, Lennon Design is your partner in business. They'll test the boundaries of their imagination to create something unique for you. When you need creative, affordable design, let it be Lennon Design. Call 801-699-3022 or visit LennonDesign.com. Here in the second block of the Cultural Hall, if you are not yet a Patreon saint of the Cultural Hall, I encourage you to do so. You can go to patreon.com forward slash the Cultural Hall and you get to see what a lovely person that Colleen Brown is. You get to only see that by seeing the video, uh, which we post long before many of these episodes even post because I share the video with that secret but not sacred Facebook group so they get to see what's going on, what's happening, uh, and you can do that if you are a Patreon saint. Go to patreon.com forward slash the cultural hall for as little as $5 a month. You help us do the things that we love. Now, Colleen, I have to ask you, because as we just have sort of rounded the one-year point from where Kyle was like, well, that feels sort of different. Well, that maybe is a little bit odd. I want to know um, what what that experience has been like from your perspective, when he first kind of came to you, what you, yeah. what your reaction was, walk me through that story. Okay. So yeah, I mean, back about a year ago, December, he started complaining. Actually, I remember the day he called me and he's like, I think I've had a stroke. I think <laughs> there's something wrong with me. I'm not talking normal. And I went, you haven't had a stroke. You have absolutely no signs of a stroke. What are you talking about? And, and we really did. I just blamed it on you work too hard. You're training for Ironman like a beast. You are working overtime constantly because it's December. So he's, he's working a ton in December for his company. Um, the guy is the most driven person I've ever known. And, you know, he's in the middle of doing all of that. He's, he's, hustling a bunch of other things, you know, everybody's car and making sure this and that. I mean, Kyle takes care of stuff. He, we're good. You know, he, I, he makes sure I'm good. The kids are good. He's good. Lance is good. Work is good. He's teaching classes. He's training for Ironman. He's, I mean, he, he goes a hundred percent with everything that he ever commits to do. And then he finds more to do. Mm -hmm. Um, so I just figured he was tired. Um, He's always struggled with anxiety and I figured it's December. It's just the anxiety depression cycle kicking up mm -hmm. um, really just blew it off for a while, but he persisted with saying that it was getting bad. And, you know, I've been a nurse for over 20 years. I have learned way too many times that your patient, if they say something to you, they're usually right. They have, 
they, their gut feeling is often right. And you better not ignore it. So I'm like, okay, you know, let's, I don't really hear it. Maybe a tiny little bit by late January, I could slightly hear him speaking like a few words were a little tough for him to say. We had isolated a word or two that I could hear. So we started looking for doctors. And when you're healthy, you don't have a doctor. He didn't have a family practice or internal medicine or whatever doctor. Um, so I, I checked around, found an internal medicine doctor. He was clueless. Uh, I had to tell him what to order. Like, could you do this and yeah. this and this? Oh, okay. Yeah, sure. You know, he, he looked at Kyle and went, you're fit, you're healthy. Why in the world are you in my office? Which is the attitude of nearly every doctor that we saw after that. So we saw Mr. Internal Medicine. I jumped to another doctor who actually listened better. I was a lot more confident in her. You could tell she had a list of things she was going to check off and see what it was or wasn't. Mm -hmm. And she quickly checked off the, the better things um, that you didn't want it to be. You know, it's, it's not lupus. <laughs> lupus would have been a relief. We can deal with lupus. Um, it's not, it's not a brain tumor. It's not, it's not a stroke. You didn't have a stroke. You don't have impaired blood flow to your brain. You know, she did a few things with us. Um, she never said ALS. Um, and then that March, so pretty early, right? We started searching. I think we saw the first doctor in February. And by March, I had had him into this ENT because I Which knew- Which is ear, nose, e throat for people who don't know. Yeah. I knew uh, his the ENT worked really closely with a speech pathologist. And I knew her and she had actually seen Kyle a couple years before for something completely unrelated. Um. And she's like, oh, you got to go see him. He's the best. He's the smartest. He's the brightest. I'm like, okay, we'll go see an ENT. It's his throat. He says there's something in his throat. So we went to see him and he's the guy who was like, did an exam, stuck us in a room as he's standing in the corner about to slip out the door and says, yeah, I think it might be ALS. See ya. <laughs> I, literally, that's what he did. <sighs> he's like, yeah, I, 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 think, I think it might be ALS. Early, early signs of ALS. Bye. <laughs> Drop mic, closed door. Uh, see, yeah. that, see that the people and, in room four find their way out and that I yeah. don't have to see them, please. And I saw the look on his uh, speech pathologist's face. Like she, she literally went bug-eyed looking at me. And Kyle's sitting to my left. And I know Kyle's brain. I know he's going to hear that and 100% buy that, believe that. He's got it. So, yeah, we went down the ALS that night hmm. that was on my daughter's birthday he tells that a little bit off it was on my daughter's birthday his birthday was the next day hmm. he says it happened on his birthday but he actually got told on my daughter's birthday <laughs> well it's funnier if it happens on his birthday to yeah. kyle's credit <laughs> the birthday gift of finding out that you have yeah. als it is in basically, fact funnier if you find out on your birthday he was six hours from his birthday so <laughs> So, yeah. Um, so so what do you do? I mean, that's the thing. Like, I hear it, and I, and I think I'm of the mind of Kyle, where it's like, 
Is it possible? Of course I've got it. I'm, uh, you know, I'm 10 steps down and people don't recognize it. And, you know, I've got myself put in the grave and I'm already, you know, writing the eulogy and how I want my funeral service to be. If someone were to just even mention that, how is a partnership? Are you guys able to be like, okay, well, you know, if it is. Yeah, I he 100 percent believed it was ALS. And I think in hindsight, of course he did. You know your own body. I think. You, you know truth when you hear it. Um, I think he knew. I think he always knew. I think when we, before we even saw a doctor and you start getting on the internet and you start looking at what things are and you see what it can be, you know, what does cause slurred speech? Not a lot of things. Mm-hmm. It's not a stroke. It's not a brain tumor. He doesn't have really pretty quickly. You come to ALS. It's one of the things that causes it. Um, I think he always kind of knew, but I, so that night, you know, it's, it's a Friday. He got told the next day's his birthday. It's also a bike race that we'd been planning to go to. It's that night that he came up with his mantra, his quote, um, the come alive or come undone mantra that we've got uh, when faced with tragedy, you come alive or come undone that night he came up with that and that's what we decided to get up and do the next day we woke up and we got ready and we went to our bike race and I don't know how I did it (laughs) because we were pretty devastated I there was a piece of me that didn't believe it and I knew that that doctor really even though he was right in you know looking back he was right He had no right to say that at that point. He hadn't done any testing and there's really no testing to like, you can't do a test and go, yes, you have ALS. It's It's not like pregnancy or COVID where it's like two lines is ALS. Um, Actually, there is a way. Is there? Yeah, but doctors don't do it and don't even get me going about the University of Utah. (laughs) It's okay, not okay. Okay, I won't. I won't. Now, <laughs> but so you talk a little bit about like the the you know that that next day and the getting up and going and and the in retrospect looking back and being like you know this was not the time that that doctor shouldn't have done it. But if I recall the timeline correctly, though, like I remember having the conversation with Kyle uh, about this time, and he's like, "Yeah, this is what it is," and that was terrible. And then. Within a week or two or maybe three, you know, four weeks, it was, no, 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 it's not this. I just have tension in my jaw or there's, you know, some sort of, you know, uh, like uh, occupational therapies that need to be done. It's not ALS at all. That guy was up in the night. So talk to me a little bit about like what that was like. Yeah. So we get the diagnosis from the ENT. I don't believe it. Um, We don't want to believe it. And I'm like, no. He has no right. He did no tests. We're going to find better people. So I booked an appointment with him with a neurologist um, in the same facility that this ENT was. We got in with him probably, which one was that? April. Late April. So about a month later. Um, we got in with him and, and he listened to Kyle talk. And he did a a neuro exam on him, you know, when they hit your reflexes and they pull your arms away from you and you walk on your heels and you walk on your tippy toes. Like, and I know a full 
because I'm a nurse, I know what a neurological exam looks like. The guy did a full neuro exam, like really, really thorough. And Kyle was perfect. Everything was literally perfect. And the doctor's like, you know, whatever is wrong with your speech, I can barely hear it. It's not what ALS sounds like. So I can, with 100% confidence, tell you, you do not have ALS. Um, and we're like, seriously, Kyle and I, like, it was too good to be true. We walked out of the meeting. We're stunned. We're shocked. We're like, are you serious? Could this really be the case? Was that guy wrong? And in the back of my mind, I'm like, yeah, of course that guy was wrong. Cause he was a jerk for saying it in the first place. Yeah. Um, and, but we didn't quite like, that was good, but let's hear it again. You know? So I, I had also been in the process of getting, I, I work at a, a place where there's really well-connected people. So I had somebody pull some strings to move us to the front of the line to the neurology department at the U. So I got us into uh, the neurology department at the U to the chair of the neurology department. Great guy, nice guy. Same, almost the exact same play out as the other neurologist. He listens to him. He does a really thorough neurological exam. Um, and he, he's like, no, you don't, you don't have ALS. Um, we did get an EMG with the first neuro and it was normal. I don't know how that happened, but the very next day after he, and an EMG is where they stick the little electrodes in your body and they're looking at the way the electricity, um, is conducting from your nerves to your muscles and how your muscle responds. Uh, and his Kyle's first EMG in April was normal, but the very next day, literally the very next day after the EMG, he started with his muscle twitching. It's called a fasciculation. Hmm. He started in with that immediately in his bicep, just his bicep, kind of his upper delt and bicep started twitching on the right. Um, and that was really confusing because it seemed so unrelated almost. And he's training really hard for Ironman. Mm -hmm. So one of the other doctors that I pushed him to go see was a really, really renowned sports medicine doctor. Um, he practices in park city. So we went to go see him. Cause I'm like, you know, is it too, is it fatigue? Is it fatigue from training? So let's go see the best of the best. He's trained cyclists. Um, like tour de France level cyclist, this guy's going to know. So we went and saw him and he spent 45 minutes with this. I mean, he's the best doctor by far wow. that we saw in taking time and listening to the whole story. And, and again, a full neurological exam, which Kyle passed tons of questions. He did blood work. Kyle's blood work always comes back. Perfect. Like there's nothing in his blood work that makes you have any sense for alarm, but that's kind of what ALS is like. Um, there, there's no test. Well, there is a test, but there's not a test. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's more insurance companies won't, won't pay for stuff. Oh. It's great. Yeah. Super great. They, well, they it's have, great. You, it's a great way to practice. Yeah, medicine. yeah. They have you in mind. Rest yeah. assured. Yeah. They care. Yeah, they, they care a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Rest assured. You'll be taken care of. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 You bet. So. I think maybe before uh, we get into the next subject, let's take another break. And then it, it may be a heavy third block of the cultural hall. Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, let's, let's take a break. And we'll come back and get to that in the third block of the cultural hall. 
Oh, hey there. I wanted to remind you, you remember when we had uh, Portia Louder on episode 564 of the Cultural Hall? And she mentioned that she had that book. It's called Living Louder. It's available on Amazon. And she loved the Cultural Hall so much that she wanted to uh, let you know that if you email her, Portia, that's P-O-R-T-I-A dot louder, just like it sounds louder, L-O-U-D-E-R at gmail.com, she'll give you the audible version for free to anyone that emails her. So if you want to check that book out, you like that episode, and you like free stuff, why wouldn't you do that? It's Portia.Louder at gmail.com. She also would love it if you would purchase the book. It's available on Amazon, very affordable. Uh, you can get the paperback copy uh, so to be so you can have that in your collection. You can uh, reference it. You can be able to uh, pull it from the shelves and read yourself a story at night. Uh, It's called Living Louder. Find it on Amazon. You can find a link for it in the show notes. You can email Portia, portia portia.louder at gmail.com. Hi, friends. Dan, the Laptop Man here from PC Laptops with breaking news. Windows 11 is now here. It's fast and it's beautiful. So let's make sure your computer's ready to run it. Bring your PC into any PC Laptops right now at PCLaptops.com. PCLaptops.com. Here in the third block of the Cultural Hall, remember, you can always email us, contact at theculturalhall.com. We'd love to hear from you. It's a way that we know, you know, who you'd like to have as a guest in the Cultural Hall, or it's a way that we know that you hated a particular episode, or uh, it's a way that we uh, know that you would like to be on an episode of the Cultural Hall. It's contact at theculturalhall.com. Love to hear from you. It's always open. That's the great thing about email. I don't have to be awake when it comes in. I can read it when I wake up. And rest assured that that is the first thing that I do when I wake up. It's always email first, social media to make sure the world still exists, and then Wordle. That's my order for every morning to uh, do those three things. Now, Colleen, I have to ask you uh, about this. You are sort of walking this through. Uh, You've been able to take us on this journey where it was, you know, ah, something's a little off. Hey, it's ALS from a guy that shouldn't have diagnosed Kyle too. No, it's not. Yay! Oh, shoot. No, it actually is ALS and it's terminal and it's aggressive. There are some people in that position that at that point would have said, Kyle, love you too much, too hard. Peace out. You got this. But you have decided, you know, not only to to stick around and to be a support that way, you guys weren't married at at the time of of this sort of journey and diagnosis. What made you decide to lean so heavily the other way? Mm. I, I I don't understand how anybody could do that. I've been with him for 10 years. He's helped raise my kids. He's, I mean, we're, we were already a we. He, it's, I... We needed to get married long before we did. (laughs) And I'd always, like, I, gosh, I would have married him eight years ago. Um, I've just been kind of sitting and waiting. Um, Waiting and waiting for the, for him to decide it was a good idea. Um, And and I used to get kind of upset about it, like, good grief, like, hurry up, dude. And, And I thought about, like, do I need to draw the line? Do I need to go hurry up and marry me or I'm out. But then when I'd look at it, it's like, everything's really good. So why rock the boat? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think he's, I knew him. I, the great thing about Kyle and, and it's a contrast to maybe my first marriage is I actually 
really know him. Um, and I know what makes him tick and, and why he does what he does. And I'm, I'm patient with it. Uh, I guess I have just the right personality type to put up with his personality type and vice versa. Um, so I, I, I just can't even, I can't even fathom walking away from it. I've had people say that to me, like, you're so nice to, to marry him. <laughs> like, I'm not nice. He's my partner. He's my person. He's, he's always kind of been my husband for a really long time. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it, it didn't even enter my mind. Like, not ever once did it enter my mind, like, maybe you shouldn't do this. No, it's like, we're in this. Why would I, you wouldn't leave somebody. You wouldn't do that. So it didn't, didn't even entertain me. Nope. But, but it is signing up for the yeah. worst heartache. Yeah, yeah, it is. But that's life, right? Love Love is pain. There's no such thing as love without pain. It's a duality. You choose, if you choose love, you're choosing pain. Yeah. If you haven't learned that yet, listen to me and make your choices wisely now based off of that. Um, I think anybody who's had a kid knows that they can hurt you the worst. And it, but you love them the most, you know, we have a, we have a, a, a friend of ours. Um, gosh, how long ago did he say this? Kyle was just asking him, they were kind of like us. Um, they were together. They'd been together for years. She had kids. He didn't have kids. Um, so here's this single guy who hadn't had kids living with this girl who's got a couple of kids and they're really hard and she's got a hard divorce situation. Um, way harder than mine. And, and I remember Kyle asking him, like, how is it? How is it parenting someone else's kids and putting up with this? And he's like, you know what? It's, it's the best. With kids, the highs are super high. Like the good days are so good. And the lows are incredibly low. Like you never knew you could hurt so bad. But it's better than having a middle of the road, little vanilla life where, where nothing really happens. So I, I could live an easy, monotonous, boring, no emotion life, I guess. But I, I really like the high places I get to go to with Kyle. And they're worth the low places. And low is really not a word. They're low, low implies bad. And even though you're sad, it's not bad. Even though it hurts, it's not sad i don't know how to i don't know how to explain it it's my heart's broken but somehow it's not bad i don't know i don't know how to explain it when you mentioned high places my mind immediately went to both uh, a literal and, I'm sure, an emotional high for the two of you to be married on the top of a mountain for crying out loud. Uh, <laughs> you know, we we have a video that we've shared. I'll share it again in the show notes of this that was um, sort of filmed from your guys' wedding. What yeah. what on earth about riding a bike to the top of a mountain and evading the police and... and... <laughs> 
why not why not just somewhere else why did it need to be such a thing like that because it's it's how we are <laughs> it that is 100 percent kyle he he just does stuff big he he does big things um and and i found my partner in crime with that he he pushed me to do big stuff like that and i learned that i loved it I absolutely love it. Um, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be as tough as I am if I hadn't met Kyle. I wouldn't be as strong as I am physically or mentally if I hadn't met Kyle. I love that mountain. I could look out this window right here to my left and see that mountain where we got married. I can see it out my backyard. Um, it, it's been a place for us. It's been a place for our kids. We take the kids up there in the summertime. I mean, it's one of the places where we would bond the kids to each other and, and, and to Kyle. Like, it was a family. It's been a family place. Um, and it's, it's definitely a place with our, our mountain bike team. I mean, when you suffer with people for hours at 6 a.m. up a mountain, you become pretty good friends. <laughs> uh, the, the mountains just that mountain in particular is just really significant to us. It, there's just a lot of important, really special moments that have happened up there. Um, and of course, a bike wedding. Of course, you're going to get married on your bike. It's sure. kind of what it's kind of our glue. <laughs> It was the it was the best wedding. <laughs> uh, and if and if people are wondering uh, what mountain, it's Francis Peak, correct? Francis Peak, yep. Which technically I got married in Morgan, Utah. So, well, just kind of fun. A, a small town Morgan wedding. Yeah, Morgan, Utah. Is there any level of um, resentment that occurs within you? Let me walk this out a little bit. Um, being that. Kyle is sort of a celebrity now for ALS with, you know, the stuff that locally folks have done on KSL that nationally and internationally, you know, with everything that that the Ironman group has done. People are celebrating Kyle. People are rallying behind Kyle. And I think that you would probably say, and maybe this is where the resentment issue might come in for me. It's like, no, he's great. I wish that it didn't have to be this way that everyone knew how great he was. Yeah. Um, no, no, I wouldn't say there's any resentment at all. Um, cause he, I honestly, he had a fan club before this anyway. <laughs> um, and it was enough, you know, I mean, it's like, yeah. And I, I don't like being in the spotlight and I prefer him to be in the spotlight. He handles it a lot better than I do. Um, I don't really like all the attention. Uh, but he's cool with it. He's funny. You know, mm-hmm. he, I've never met anybody who can fly off the cuff like Kyle. I mean, he's just always got it. It's uh, the, the bullets always in the chamber. He's always ready to just lay one loose. So, um, you know, there's, I don't think there's any resentment. I think the only person I resent is God a little bit here and there every once in a while. For making such a stupid disease. I have a, a dear friend who refers to it as the worst. Her husband actually passed away from ALS, and she, whenever whenever it's brought up, uh, you know, before she goes into whatever else someone else is talking about, she'll say, oh, ALS? Oh, it's the worst, and then whatever the yeah. other thing is. Yeah. 
I haven't quite worked through that one yet. The resentment there. The particular um, type of ALS that Kyle has been diagnosed with, bulbar, as I understand it, mm-hmm. it's sort of upper body first, but pretty aggressive um, with if I remember kind of hit what he is, uh, you know, shared with me and shared within here in the cultural hall, like it's not a, it's not a crap ton of time. Like with ALS yeah. in general, it's not a crap ton of time, but it's like, take this crap ton of time and divide it in half. And, and, and that's yeah. what that's like. That's that, that to some could be like pretty what depressing or a pretty dark state to be in it seems like yeah. both you and Kyle although there are those moments maybe of sad have have turned it to have that be like this is the moment of power what what's the plan i mean you, we know we know the end result of this both the you know lifely result of this and then also the heavenly result of this whole thing but but for like the time uh, well he's alive like what's What's the yeah. plan? How do you how do you deal with that? What's the plan? What do you do? What do you not do? Yeah. Uh Bulbar ALS is daunting. I mean, you I when we went in to see the neurologist the day that we finally got the diagnosis, I I knew it was Bulbar ALS. I knew it was. Um and I both of us walked in there knowing it was Bulbar onset ALS. And and basically we had agreed Kyle was going to talk until his speech slurred so bad that the doctor couldn't deny it and then like pull his shirt off and be like, tell me what this is if this isn't ALS. But the doctor finally clued in that visit and we didn't have to get so dramatic. Um, and he gave us the diagnosis of ALS and the book of how to die. Um, it's a, that's and, not a great book, by the way, not a bestseller. No, 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 I hate that book. In fact, I will probably burn that book. If you want video of us burning that book, maybe we'll burn that book. You can give it to your Patreon members. I don't know. I hate that book. It's, is it a real a book, How book. to Die? Yeah. Well, it doesn't say how to die. It's here's my guide of how to how to get a feeding tube and when to call your lawyer. And Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, it's the step-by-step of how to manage your affairs on your way out. <laughs> it's the hopeless ALS book. Uh. Um, you know, I, you, you start asking questions and you know what medicine, I think we started down the route, like, okay, should we take this medicine? So there's this expensive medicine that you can get. And so we jumped down that Avenue. Cause at first you're like, yeah, give him everything, give him everything that they know helps. Even if it only extends your life by six months, just give it to him. I don't care if it's an IV Every day for the rest of your life, if it means you get to stay with us, then we'll do it. Mm-hmm. You know, you get really drastic and you're like, I'll take anything, anything I can get. But then you start to go, uh, well, what else is there? What else can be done? And, and I had people reach out to me and go, well, I knew somebody with ALS and they progressed a little slower because they did this. And those start trickling in, you know, people, other people with ALS, they start trickling in and they start giving you advice. It's celery juice, celery juice, Colleen, drink celery juice every morning. There's something to some of that. So I had Lyme disease, what they call Lyme disease. I I didn't have Lyme disease. Um, Somebody else uh, that's been a guest on the show, she had Lyme disease. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I had baby Lyme disease. There's no such thing as baby Lyme disease, but 
Um, I got better. I'm not sick, but it's because I don't really believe I had Lyme disease, but I had some strange autoimmune weird something or other. And I remember going, I'm not, this isn't going to kill me. I'm not going to have this. I'm not going to be sick. Um, anyway, I'm kind of jumping around here, but I, I found information about Kyle or, or about ALS that just started triggering in my head. Well, maybe it doesn't have to be the way the ALS.org says ALS is going to go. Maybe it doesn't have to be the way the University of Utah says it's going to go. Maybe he can feel good way longer than what the literature says. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm pretty, I w- I'm, I'm a fairly naturopathic, holistic-y minded person. Um, I think that you can do a lot to help your own health if you're willing to do some of the hard work. Um, and we are. So, uh, you know, I mean, long story short, he's on a gigantic list of supplements. He's got a couple of medications that we have to get on the black market uh, or have people make for us because they're, they can um, but we can't really, our doctor won't prescribe it. Um, and so he's on a huge list of kind of off things. The only prescription, he's on two prescription drugs from the neurologist and everything else we've done on our own. Hmm. And he's progressing slowly. Some of it, I think, is a mindset. Like Kyle's really strong, mentally very strong. Um, I feel like I'm mentally very strong. Um, and, and I think between the two of us, we keep each other up and, and strong and feeling and feeling good and positive. And he's really had to learn to live in the day, which I think was a big lesson for him to learn. And he's still always learning it because he does struggle with anxiety. And to me, anxiety is you're living in a day that's not today. You're stressing about the future. That's what anxiety is, is your brain's lying to you about the future. Um, I think he's gotten a lot better about living right now today. What can he do today? Well, today he can run 12 miles. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So just be glad that today you can run 12 miles and tomorrow we're probably going to bike for three hours. So, (laughs) (laughs) and, and to us, like, it's still heartbreaking because he used to be able to do all kinds of things for six plus and then eat a, eat a big dinner and then do it again, you know? So um, it, there's a daily loss, but it is much slower than what we thought it was going to be. And so I think that makes you, it reduces the panic, I guess, a little bit. Um, he's progressing slowly. He's, he's doing, he's doing well, but uh, there's a few people who've reversed their ALS. That's your neurologist is never going to tell you that they, I don't know why they don't talk about that because there's a really, really well-renowned neurologist that talks about it openly. He's all over YouTube. The guy tells you everything he knows. He's like, try this, try this. I know you're going to try it anyway. So you might as well, this is how I would (laughs) dose this. If you're going to, if you're going to get this drug off the black market, this is how to take it. Cause he's like, I know you're going to do it anyway. So I might as well help. That's the attitude I like. That's, that's the doctor that I look to for what to do. He, he gives us hope. 
you know, there there's a lot of people listening to this who will never have a personal um, experience with ALS, and good, good for all of those yeah. people who don't have I to really have to deal that with happens. that. You know, <laughs> um, but but there is a story of hope and of love and of connection between the two of you that I think that a lot of people have have drawn amazing examples from. Um, for anyone that may be struggling, whatever that thing may be, do you have like a, a universal thing that you have learned from this experience that you're like, yeah, and here's that here's that piece of advice for that struggle? Yeah. Um, don't be afraid to live your life. Like just you've got to live. Don't be afraid. Don't I don't want I don't want my last time, my last whether it's months or years with Kyle to be spent sad. I can be sad later. If I need to be sad later, I'll be sad later. Once he's gone, I'll be sad later. Um, but I'm not, I'm not going to spend my time that I have with him sad and, and upset and crying. And, and the, those moments still come, but, and, and for a while there, they really, really were. I mean, it was really, really hard. There was, about a solid month that it was just rough. Um, but, you know, there was always somebody there. And that maybe it's why I don't turn it, totally turn my back on God because somehow there's always somebody there to say the right thing to maybe get me through that moment or that day. Um, I've been, I'm really lucky with a lot of the people that I work with. I mean, actually they come to me for me to work on them, but they end up helping me. I have a lot of people like that. I have a lot of women who've been through some hard things and then I work on veterans hmm. and uh, man, those guys are wise. They're, they're some wise, wise old dudes. I love them. <laughs> um, but just live your life, live. And you've got to love your people love your kids, love your friends, go do what you can do. Don't, don't sit and feel bad for yourself. You got to, that, that's a waste of time. You've got to look at what you do have and what you do love. And that's what you focus on. It's, it's, it's the best for just life in general. And then when harder, harder things come your way, it's still the best. Mm -hmm. It's still the best way. There's a question that we ask everyone who steps into the cultural hall, and I'll ask that of you right now. You get to interpret it however you would like. <laughs> um, but what is your favorite part of your faith? Uh, families. The emphasis on families. Um, yeah. That's kind of it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I struggle with a lot of other things. I I struggle um, to know how it all fits and what's important and what, what should you and shouldn't you be doing, but that's kind of my old thinking process. Honestly, people matter, my family matters, and that's it, it it's it what keep it's what keeps me grounded and happy and good and gives me a goal and a reason to wake up and a reason to be happy. Um it's it's families my family, extended family, all of that. Your willingness to talk about all this, uh, I really appreciate. I know that um, 
you know, less than 12 hours ago, I said, hey, what do you think? And how about we do this now? I didn't want to give you too much time to think about it or uh, to be able to say no. So so I appreciate that. Um, yeah. A Time is hard. I've been told I'm a slippery fish. Yeah. I'm really hard to catch. Well, got it. <laughs> so you caught me. <laughs> uh, we hope that this episode has nourished and strengthened your body, that if you're not healthy enough to listen this week, that you'll be healthy enough to listen next week. And that when the time comes, you'll be able to travel home in safety. In the meantime, Brother Brent, Rick McGee, Debbie Wanless, Chocolate Cake Bites podcast, and then this one because of your husband, Miracles, I told you so. We'll be saving a seat for you on the back row of the Cultural Hall. Bye. Save me a seat. It's sure to be 